Hello and welcome back to Kerrang! Back Issues. My name is Stephen and this week we'll be looking at issue number 479, January the 29th, 1994, £1.40. pence. I think I mentioned it last week, but if you're interested in getting in contact with me, then you can email me, us, at kerrangbackissues, that's K-E-R-R-A-N-G-B-A-C-K-I-S-S-U-E-S, at gmail.com. And we also have a Twitter page, which you can uh, find us at kerrangpod. And about a week or so ago, we, uh, we, I, us, God, this is tricky, isn't it? were followed by Phil Alexander, the old Kerrang! editor. So that's nice. Uh, I've messaged him and asked him if he would fancy being interviewed in the future, and he hasn't got back to me just yet, but watch this space. Uh, This week's issue, episode of the pod, is sponsored by Carista. Um, Not officially, I'm just drinking this beer, which is called Carista, which is an Audi knockoff of a Corona, and if you chuck a lime in it, you won't notice a difference. Not too bad. So starting where we always start this week on the front cover and Kerrang, uh, the cover star this week is Sebastian Back, who is looking very beautiful as always. And uh, Kerrang says, Back, spelt B-A-C-H, clever, home with Skid Row, inside Seb's Metal Madhouse. Also, Megadeth and Crew LP exclusives, Pantera, Back and Brutal. And uh, this news on the front page, I don't know why... It needed an eight-page pullout, but Max, Brazilian arrest, Sepultura, eight-page pullout. I hope it's eight pages of Max Cavalera, uh, different mug shots of uh, him and pr- in prison. That would be fun. And also, David Lee Roth, Dope, Van Halen, and me. Starting off with Mayhem, the hottest news in metal first. And the first news piece this week is Pantera, Far Beyond Heavy. Pantera released their long-awaited new album on March 21st, entitled Far Beyond Driven. It is the Texan Power Metal's seventh LP to date, although only their fourth with Phil Anselmo on vocals. The album will be promoted with an extensive world tour. The full track listing of the brutal new record is as follows. Strength beyond strength, becoming five minutes alone, I'm broken, good friends and a bottle of pills, hardlined, sunken cheeks, slaughtered, 25 years, shedding skin, used my third arm, throes of rejection and planet caravan. Uh, Phil Anselmo says, people think we planned this, uh, growls Pantera's muscular frontman. They think we have some big master plan. We're slowly following through, but that's bullshit. I don't know what I'm doing from one day to the next. Phil continues and says, my bandmates listen to Judas Priest and Metallica. I listen to death metal. I don't think we borrowed from anyone. We have our own thing. And as far as our own, uh, as our song structure goes, it's Pantera to the max. But things are only going to get heavier. And I listen to really heavy shit constantly, he continues. My own band has to match. We have to be as heavy or it's going to be a lesser product. We finally got a chance to take time off from each other before doing this record. I live in New Orleans and the rest of the band live in Dallas. I was doing my own thing. I didn't know where their heads were at. I just knew in my heart that they don't listen to heavy shit. I was kind of worried. We weren't on the same page. 
I'd tell them, this has got to be a fucking thick album. This has got to be heavy. It's got to be bad. And they were like, all right, dude. We got the first three songs like that, and the pressure was pretty much off. And here, I really like the idea of Phil Anselmo going to Dimebag Daryl and saying that he needs to write something thick, and then Dimebag comes back with a riff to five minutes alone. I mean, God, in- incredible. Uh, this interview, uh, like interview news piece, finishes off uh, with Phil Anselmo saying, we were asked to do a track for a Sabbath compilation album, and then we got dicked out of doing it through record company politics. That was possibly the Nativity in Black, um, Black Sabbath compilation album. Not sure. Anyway, Phil Anselmo explains, but we'd already recorded it and we liked it. It sounds awesome. We just made the album we made, says Phil. But in general, a whole wave of heavy shit should be coming out soon with bands like I Hate God and Crowbar, the bands on the New Orleans scene. We have the highest murder rate in the country. We have bad weather and everything's a reason to drink or do some sort of dope. The whole mood is just fucking dark for real. Stop press, and as this week's Kerrang! went to press, Mayhem was informed that the Castle Donington Monsters of Rock Festival will definitely go ahead this year on June the 4th. Aerosmith remain favourites to headline the event, but at present the bill is still unconfirmed. Tickets are due to go on sale by the middle of February. More details next week. And also in Stop Press, Soundgarden released a new single entitled Spoon Man through A&M on February the 14th. It is lifted from their forthcoming album Super Unknown, which is released on March the 7th. And the B-sides on the various formats include Fresh Tendrils, Cold Bitch and Exit Stonehenge. Soundgarden's UK tour schedule is currently being finalised with dates likely between late March and mid-April. A show at London's Brixton Academy is almost a certainty. Motley Crue, the one-time kings of LA cock rocker back. Replete with a lean, mean new look for a new chapter in their colourful career. The band returned to the public eye with a small, somewhat intimate listening party to kick off the marketing campaign for their new LP. Titled simply Motley Crue, the album hits the streets on March 14th and will be preceded by a single Hooligans Holiday. And I did look up the cover for Hooligans Holiday and it's really crap. And as we said the other week, I really wish it was uh, some English fans, football fans abroad throwing plastic white chairs at each other. Would have been a much better cover. Anyway, I digress. The two-hour listening party for this gig was held in New York and was enlivened by a free bar, a spread of Chinese and Japanese delicacies and the high-energy sound of the new crew LP pumping through the club's PA system. All of the band were present and even a couple of topless dancers, but with their clothes on. Of course, listening party is hardly an accurate term for such an event. With so many people noisily chatting away, it was virtually impossible to concentrate on the music being played in the background for a less than excellent PA. Karan goes on. Crew fans take note, however, this is not exactly a Slayer album. Several songs featured a squarely traditional pop flavour and there was at least one ballad in the classic Crew style. Nikki Six says... It is a new band, without a doubt, although there's only four things that are associated with the past, the three band members and the name. <laughs> I don't I don't even know if we're going to play old material at this point. So Nikki Six there is saying it's an entirely new band, but with three old members and the same name. So it's the same band, basically. And Kerrang ends this by saying, despite this serious talk, 
serious talk of uh, it being a new band. It doesn't seem that Motley Crue are about to settle down and become philosophers. Following the party, drummer Tommy Lee led a contingent to Scores, a popular topless dancing club on Manhattan's Upper East Side. Record releases now and the Red Hot Chili Peppers released Give It Away from their Bud Sugar Sex Magic album as a single this week. It is backed with bonus B-sides and remixes on two CDs, cassette single and 12-inch. Soul to Squeeze, a track previously only available on the soundtrack to the recent Coneheads film, is on all formats bar the 12-inch. The 12-inch features Rick Rubin's 12-inch mix of Give It Away plus the Rasta mix by Ministries Al Jorgsen and Paul Barker. The record is completed with the Disco Crisco mix. CD1 features the 12-inch mix, raster mix, and single mix, while CD2 features two remixes of another album track, if you have to ask. There is also a live version of non-album song Nobody Weird Like Me, recorded at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, California, in December 1991. Red Hot Chili Peppers are currently working on material for their follow-up to their Blood Sugar Sex Magic album with new guitarist Dave Navarro. Exchange Addiction. Wish have a tape of their 70s influence rock on sale at £1.50. pence. The four-track cassette is available from Keith at 7 Ayrton House, 115 Olive Avenue, Leon C, Essex. Checks payable to Keith Martin. Jawbreaker, the San Francisco Noise Knicks, release a new LP through Tupelo on February the 14th, entitled 24-Hour Revenge Therapy. It's distributed in the UK by Vital and likely to be promoted with a UK tour in May. Labelmate Star Pimp released their full-length debut Seraphim at 28 Ounce on January the 31st. Also from San Francisco, the band have a sound that incorporates lots of bending guitar and a variety of samples. Completing Tupelo's imminent release schedule is a six-track mini-album from Steel Pole Bathtub entitled Some Cocktail Suggestions, also out on January the 31st. Nailbomb, the experimental side project of Sepultura vocalist Max Cavalera and Fudge Tunnel guitarist Alex Newport, are slated to release their debut LP Point Blank through Roadrunner in March. The record, which features guest appearances from Sepultura's Andreas Kisser, Igor Cavalera, Fear Factory's Dino Cazares, comprises of the following tracks. Wasting Away, Vitoma Noku, 24-Hour Bullshit, Gorillas, Blind and Lost, Some of Your Achievements, Cockroaches, For Fuck's Sake, World of Shit, Exploitation, Religious Cancer, Shit Piñata, and Sick Life. I... I'm very excited for the review of that Nailbomb album because that, still, in 2021, is an incredible album. Side note. And if it doesn't get 5Ks, then I'll be writing a uh, letter to Phil Alexander to complain. Tour news now, and Manowar have added another date to their forthcoming UK tour. They play the Bristol Beer Keller on February the 6th. The US Metalers are expected to return to the UK in April for a London show. Also, Meat Puppets have been confirmed as support on Soul Asylum's UK tour. The Wild Hearts have been forced to pull out of three imminent gigs following an incident at the weekend in which frontman guitarist Ginger broke his left arm. Ginger sustained a fracture after banging his arm against the cupboard. That is not very rock and roll. And doctors have said the break will immobilise him until March. The three cancelled shows are Bath College Newton Park, Brixton Academy, a support slot to the Manic Street Preachers, and the Camden Palace on February 8th. 
This news came in too late to make this week's gig guide pages. The Camden gig was to be the climax of a Waynestock promotional tour in support of the new Wayne's World 2 film, which sees promo events, video displays and giveaways across the country. It has no further Wild Hearts connections and continues as normal. The Wild Hearts apologise for any inconvenience and will return in March with their own headline tour. Mad Cow Disease support the release of new single, The Selective Morality EP, with dates at the Portsmouth Air Balloon, January 28th, London Marquee 29th, Colchester Arts Centre, February 4th, and Nottingham Rock City on the 5th. Noisy Mothers, the popular hard rock TV show which recently changed its name from Raw Power, will be filming at the Bournemouth Boscombe Rock Zone on February the 4th. Special guests appear to be announced at a later date. On February 8th at the Rock Zone, which is held in the Academy Nightclub, FM, Lion's Heart and the Jan Sykra Band can be seen live in concert. And Rage Hard is a new weekly rock club taking place every Saturday at London's Kentish Town Forum. It runs from 11pm until late, features four DJs and admission with a flyer is £3 or a mere quid to anyone showing this article at the door. Mayhem Special now and Mega Zep is the title. Megadeth bassist Dave Ellison tells Don Kay about the band's fresh new vibe, a Led Zeppelin inspired spontaneous approach which will flavour the next death opus. Now, uh, as we found out in issue 477, Megadeth haven't actually written any songs for their new album. So Kerrang decided on uh, to put them on the front cover and give them a two-page spread, one of words and uh, one page of a lovely picture of them all. Um, and from reading this piece, you'll never guess what. They haven't written any songs. They even interview Dave Ellison, Megadeth bassist, and, yep, haven't written any songs. What they've done is they've rented a house in Arizona with a digital recording workstation. Now, I understand at the time, it's probably hard for Kerrang! to fill their pages with news every week. Um, and obviously, they need to include the bands who are popular at the time. Uh, and... People probably want info on these bands that are popular, no matter how, uh, no matter how like uninteresting it is. And so I guess like looking at this twenty-seven years later, in a world where we're sort of filled with abundant news, it's quite easy to mock this non-story. And I do need to remember to contextualise this. And there wasn't the internet. There wasn't um, constant, constant news being fed to us about everything. So even though. Um, this story is a non-story. I, you still have to understand why Kerrang have done this, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I do think it's hilarious that they've done a two-page spread about Megadeth and not having any songs. I mean, you can't take that away. Still pretty funny. Beavis, you've never been to a concert in your life. Shut up! Concerts now, and we begin with Terrorvision and Baby Chaos at the Riverside Newcastle on Wednesday, January the 12th. This concert gets a high voltage rating, which is 4 out of 5, and Kerrang! begins If the boundary between metal and indie sensibilities has become blurred of late, then Baby Chaos could be the band to obliterate it completely. Loaded as they are with quirky pop, song, pop songs like Effa and forthcoming single Buzz, heavy with eccentric harmonies and unabashed guitar molestation, the outcome of their own efforts is akin to Jesus Jones, Although, of course, minus all the techno nonsense and with the noise factor multiplied by a factor of about a million. 
The fact that their free bus pass days are still a long way off, along with their signing of a major deal with Warner Brothers, means that they are bound to get lumped in with similarly placed fresh-faced contemporaries. But Baby Chaos are miles better than Curb Dog. While some critical quarters remain uncommitted to their manifesto, down at ground level, where it counts, Terrorvision have made it. Last time they passed this way, early last year, they drew a couple of dozen interested but uncommitted onlookers. Now they've got a couple of hundred fans who pogo through American TV and my house, fight each other to get closer to the stage and then dive off it when Men at Work down under sends everyone a bit potty at the end. Cynics will point out that to get this far, Terrorvision have been helped by a good few grand out of EMI's promotional budget, but more importantly, they've done it by showing up at places like the Riverside three times in the last year and making an album as blunt as a breeze block and as irresistible as a runaway train. In contrast, subtlety is on the way with LP2. If Alice wants the matter and stop the bus, are anything to go by. Karan goes on, the people here tonight like Terrorvision's music because it is easy to like. They like Terrorvision because they are down to earth and display a lack of pretension that is almost pathological. Only Terrorvision, in this age of Rage Against the Machine and designer profanity, could employ Cracky Moses as a term of, ex a term of exclamation. Two mysteries surround them. First, why was it my house that scored the goal and made them proper pop, pop stars? Presumably, they couldn't figure out a 3D picture sleeve for New Policy 1. And secondly, what is the cactus all about? I have no clue what this cactus that Liam Shirles, the reviewer, is talking about. Anyway, onwards. The next review is for Understand, playing live at the Islington Powerhouse on uh, in London on Wednesday, January the 12th. This concert gets a high voltage uh, on the concert quota, which is 4 out of 5. Uh, Kareng begins, if East Coast Hardcore really is poised to dominate the tough music scene in 94, understand we'll be right in there riding the snot wave. They are, after all, from Southend on the East Coast of England. Thin comparisons aside, it's Fagazi meets Rage Against the Machine with a touch of fudge tunnel lobbed in. The noisy quintet certainly look the part, heads uniformly shaved. They work their instruments like they're working heavy machinery. It's exceptionally weighty, it's often discordant, and the overriding feeling is that understand have things nailed down. They're one of those bands with a great knack of introducing the riff and then smashing into it with such fervour that the audience, either familiar with them or seeing the band for the first time, feels obliged to jump six feet into the air. There's nothing to beat this kind of energy and it's surely the first thing that tonight's prominent cluster of A&R men will perk their eyebrows at. Bonafide songs, however, seem a mite short on the ground. Perhaps further exposure to the band will reveal those hooks, but for now, sheer sonic muscle is their forte. Frontman Dom also has the communication skills of a box of frogs at present, not even bothering to announce a single song title, but this will surely change with more gigs and greater confidence. With Biohazard, set to catapult a potentially great third album from the New York core Ghetto, followed by lesser vandals from the vanguard like Propane or Life of Agony, 1994 really could be the perfect year for Understand to shout their mouths off. They may face a little scepticism on home ground, but their musical credentials and crunching live performances like this one should speak for themselves. As long as they don't start coming out with words like yo or dis, their value will hopefully be understood. You'll be seeing a lot more of these straight edge striplings in the next few months. The next review is for Bitter Tears at the Highbury Garage uh, on the Friday, January the 14th. This gig gets a short circuit, which is a Two out of five, so not great. Chris Watts begins. Lazy references might include Pearl Jam and Chris' teenage diaries need them. Bitter tears are generic nerds. 
That's nerds. As in the bassist Gumby hat and the singer's Vedder-esque non-presence. Playing before Terrorvision's audience of nappy grungers and uh, pop belief itself casualties, Birmingham's bitter tears go through the motions of being something important. The first song sounds like Once. The second sounds like Jeremy. And the third could have been the Almighty's Crucify in all but name. For five quid you want something better than this. It never saved Boneyard. Bitter Tears need to change their name to something that doesn't sound like a rock set cliche, burn their Pearl Jam LP, and stop showboating like they were going to save Africa. This country doesn't do sincere. At least Dollface doesn't don't sound American. O negative. Live at the Limelight New York on Sunday, January the 2nd. This review is by Don K, and this review gets a static out of five, which is three out of five. There's something slightly obscene about a band going on stage at 1.15am on a Sunday night. To make matters worse, type of negative performed in a dim light that rendered them difficult to see for the entire gig. But that's the way singer bassist Pete Steele likes it. Dark, gloomy and despondent. Typo's music is all free, but exhilarating in a perverse way. Veering from bone-crunching doom metal to gothic flutter at the flick of a drumstick. The unique te- texture of songs like Black Number One and Christian Woman was diminished live. Their subtleties buried in a fuzzy mix, but there's no denying their monolithic structure, structure and brooding introspection. The band play it straight, but Pete's self-deprecating comments saved them from tipping into pretension. High points included an incredibly slowed down version of Paranoid, twinned seamlessly with Kill You Tonight and the torpid Summer Breeze. And the anthemic unsex, unsex, excuse me, and the anthemic unsuccessfully coping with the natural beauty of infidelity. And in case you forgot that all these songs plumb Pete's fascination with the corner where sex, religion, and relationships meet, two nude women simulated sex behind the screen. Somehow it all works. Competition corner now, and you can see ZZ Top in California. The first prize is a VIP trip for two to California to meet and see ZZ Top at a West Coast show. To enter this, Kareng has put a uh, voucher at the bottom. Um, And also they say, each time you visit the Exposure Rock Cafe in Birmingham or the Exposure Rock Club at XLs on Saturday nights, you will receive a two-part voucher. Also, each time you buy a pint of Carlsberg or Tetley's, you will also receive an additional voucher. You can cut out the vouchers that appear in Kerrang for the next four weeks, but photocopies will not be accepted. You need to hand in the completed half to one of the bar staff or the DJ at the venue and keep your uh, other half to yourself. The voucher will then be put in the drawer, which is set to take place at the Exposure Rock Cafe on March 6th between 7pm and 10.30. The draw will be made by a guest star and in order to win, you need to be in attendance at the Exposure Rock Cafe on the evening of March the 6th. So this competition, which is in a nationwide uh, magazine, is only useful for people that live in the Birmingham area that go to the Exposure Rock Cafe. Because if you don't turn up, you can't win, they basically say. Brilliant. So here we are, back again with communication, letters from the readers. And I wonder if we're going to have a letter this week complaining about uh, Wolfsbane and Iron Maiden and that whole Blaze Bailey saga. Let's find out. Letter of the week begins. Man of War or Mastermind? This week in the black chair we have Mr. Joseph DeMaio of the pop group Man of War. Magnus Magnuson. In which venue were these lyrics inspired? We met on English ground in a backstage room we heard the sound. Joey. Um, no wait, I know this one. Possibly either Wolverhampton Civic Hall or Milton Keynes Wooten Centre. 
Magnus. Incorrect. It was in fact Newcastle City Hall while yourself and a Mr. Rusterboss roadied for Black Sabbath. There's the answer. Rectify it. Death to false tours. Dimps. Newcastle upon time. Why that got letter of the week, I have no clue. And if anyone can explain to me what Dimps is talking about, then please do get in touch. This letter is titled Ballad Ban. As far as Donington 94's plans go, okay, it's fair enough that Aerosmith and Skid Row are tipped for the top slots. But would it be too much to ask for some real metal on the day? Take Pantera, Sepultura, Paradise Lost, and maybe Warrior Soul, or the Wild Hearts as openers. Now that would be a Donington to remember. But what's the betting we get stuck with Mr. Big, Little Angels, and other ballad singing dipsticks? Chris from Bradford. Gagging for a shagging begins... Here's something I'd like to get off my chest about someone I'd like to have on it. This week's gagging for a shagging goes out to lecherous looking Lane of Alice in Chains. Not only is he the raunchiest singer I've ever had the pleasure of listening to, but he's also the sexiest piece of tumble I've ever clapped eyes on. He can bind me up in chains on his angry chair anytime. So get them bones next to mine and let's have some dirt. Slack Alice from Macclesfield. This letter begins, after reading the letter from the spiritual son of Robert Plant on last month's concert at Brixton, I felt I had to write an agreement. I was standing at the front, near the speakers, with my daughter. It was one of the best nights of my life. My attempts to attract Robert's attention by jumping up and down and banging my fist in the air were successful and I was rewarded with Robert singing to me. The smiles, happiness and joy Robert's singing gave me were genuine and meant so much to me. My six-year-old son died three years ago. It was the first time since his death that I felt happy and not felt guilty about having a good time and enjoying myself. As for the comment about the people over 40 who were shouting for Jimmy Page, if all they were interested in, in is reliving their memories of Led Zeppelin, they should not have been there spoiling it for everyone who wanted to hear and see the Robert Plant of today. Fate of Nations is the best album Robert has done. The man is so talented musically he's growing all the time. The people who do not understand Robert's music are the ones who tried to spoil it for the majority who, like myself, had a great time. Robert... Thanks for the spiritual healing and I hope you do another concert at Brixton again this year. Linda, London. Short and Curlies, Wild Hearts, please come back to Hanley. We're going fucking mental. Love you until we don't. By Danny's Nose Ring and Co. Please could you fix it for my friend Liz to marry Tom Araya. I'm sure it would make her dream come too if you could make this happen. From Scott Ian. What is the point in discussing it? Blaze has done more than left one of Britain's glimmering hopes nostril deep in shit. He's lost a bunch of mates around the UK and now he's got to squeeze into a readily styled band. Wolfsbane could have evolved into anything as intense and heavily diverse as they wished. Instead, Bailey's got to fill a pair of shoes that are already walking a ready paved road. Jeff, Steve and Jace, you know who your friends are from XHMS107. Kareng has a uh, note here and they say, Positively, the last word on this subject for now. Thank God for that. Ill communication. We now move on to the Sepultura eight-page pullout. Uh, this begins with Sepultura, Max Cavalera arrested, full Brazilian tour drama report, plus Chaos AD LP artwork poster inside. So if we open up the pullout, there is half of a half page uh, set called Seps in the Slammer. The cover of chaos ad lp artwork which is inside is no longer in my copy of kerrang because it definitely went up on my wall there's a poster of kerrang and then at the back there's a competition not too much in this eight page pullout but in the first of all the pullouts i actually did pull it out and put the poster up on my wall anyway sips in the slammer 
Max Cavalera nicked after Brazilian flag fracker. Luckless Sepultura singer Max Cavalera has once again fallen foul of the law, this time during an on-stage incident at the Metal Heavy Metal Heavy Hollywood Rocks Festival in his Brazilian hometown of Sao Paulo. Max was collared at the end of Sepultura's exclusive set for actions deemed insulting to Brazil's national flag. He was arrested, held into jail for several hours and forced to pay a hefty fine before being freed. The story made all of the headlines of many Brazilian newspapers. According to eyewitnesses, the trouble started midway through Sepultura's set when a member of the crowd threw Max a Brazilian national flag emblazoned with the distinctive Sepultura S logo. Max and his brother, drummer Igor Cavalera, held the flag al aloft to ecstatic applause and then placed it by Max's mic stand. Unfortunately, during subsequent frenetic stage movements, Max's feet got tangled up in the flag. <gasps> Military police, watching from the aisles, apparently assumed that Max was deliberately trampling on the flag and promptly arrested the fiery frontman as soon as he left the stage. It is just months since Max was arrested in Arizona after an incident involving gun-crazed youths who took pot shots at the singer and his wife Gloria. Max responded by hurling a brick at his assailant's car, but with typically bad luck, the missile hit another vehicle and Max was quickly arrested. Besides Sepultura, the Hollywood Rocks Festival also starred Aerosmith, Poison and Ugly Kid Joe. Watch out for a Fast and Furious full-colour festival report next week. And thus ends the eight-page pullout. Caveat, I forgot that there's Competition Corner and you can win signed, uh, signed Chaos AD prints. And all they ask is, what is the title of the next Sepultura single to be taken from Chaos AD? And you have to phone this number, leave your name and your address. Singles now, and we begin with Carcass's Heartwork EP, which came out on Earache. The reviewer of the singles this week is Mike Peak, and Mike begins... Wickedly panned in various circles recently for entering the realms of Widdleham. Sorry, Morat. Carcass nonetheless remains one of the last great bastions of heavy metal. Having said this new song, This Is Your Life, is a bit of a flapping gudgeon. The prize fish, however, is the ludicrously titled Rotten Roll, which sounds a bit like Megadeth, before plunging into some seriously sludgy grind. Carcass are to pop music what weevils are to ship's biscuits. And a lovely note has been left after this by Phil Alexander, the editor, which simply says A, question mark, E-H, question mark. He doesn't understand what that review was about either. Gin Blossoms now with their single Hey Jealousy. Tom Petty often sported a longish hairdo in the mid-80s but was never what you'd call hard rock. Gin Blossoms are similarly coiffured and obviously then end up sounding remarkably similar. Similar, which means a rather safe old kipper. Really? Dolesville, USA. I disagree with this review entirely. That is a great 90s alternative song. So sod off, Mike Peak. Don't really sod off. You're all right, mate. Red Hot Chili Peppers now with their single Give It Away out on Warner Brothers. Discerning Kerrang readers with a penchant for a good tune may well recall TV's Simon Groom venturing off to Mike Oldfield's stately studios to re-record the Blue Peter theme. That was ace. This is not. A simple parallel. Give it away? Sir, I will. And the single of the week this week goes to Red Cross uh, and their single Visionary, which came out on This Way Up Records. Fucking splendid. Powerful as a Sasquatch's right arm and equipped with bigger hooks than an ambitious whale fisherman on hearing that Moby Dick's in the area. 
If you've never heard Red Cross, then for goodness sake, don't be put off by press reports labelling the band Pop Rock. They're heavier than Ross Halfin's wallet. And Visionary, from last year's Rocktastic Phase Shifter LP, is cooler than a fridge with shades on. And Ray-Bans at that. We now move on to this week's uh, cover star, which is Sebastian Bach, the lead singer of Skid Row. And the interview begins. Berserk, dictionary meaning. Combination of normal enthusiasm and Skid Row frontman Sebastian Bach's high-octane energy that is liable to supply enormous high-spirited buzz for a 24-hour period, i.e., that gentleman over there leaping around like a 16-foot gorilla with an ant farm up its ass has gone absolutely berserk. So I was flipping down the street in Amsterdam, feeling good to say the least, and who do I bump into but Scott Ian. He picks me up and starts hugging me, and I ask him what's going on. He says, I just ran into Sepultura down the road. I turn around and there's Sepultura. What a great fucking week. They all yell at me, what the fuck are you doing here? And I told them, the Cannabis Cup, and they couldn't believe it. Later I went to see Sepultura with Chips Enough, and they were crushing. It was so funny because I looked at Chip afterwards and said, dude, did that fucking crush or what? And he said, Sebastian, I don't hear any pop sensibilities. Haha, <laughs> I told him, dude, maybe that's the point, but I love Chip. Sebastian has just been describing another typically berserk kind of day late last year in Holland. It was, as our most 24-hour periods with Baz, a rocking good time. Sebastian Bach has been accused of many things, blind stupidity, obnoxiousness with intent, and simple arseholism. He is none of these. Baz's natural energy is driven by an intense love of what he is and what he does. Of course, that energy can get wearing, even get into his own bandmates at times, but the main thing to know about Sebastian Bach is that he has a big heart. When he made the ignorant and offensive gesture of wearing a shirt with the words AIDS kills fags dead, it was the act of a boy who didn't know. When challenged on the stupidity of that act, Bach was generally hurt that he'd got it all wrong. The interview talks about Sebastian Bach's early days of growing up in um, Toronto and Canada and how he really liked The Doors and he really liked Elton John. Uh, he goes on to say, but the one song that made me realise I wanted to be in a rock band was Victim of Changes by Judas Priest. When I heard Rod, Rob Halford hit those notes, I did not believe it was him. My friends told me it was and I said, no way, that's a fucking dog, not a human. I would get that record, go home after school every day and try to sing that, and it sounded like a dying cat. My mum would wear these big platform boots, and when I was trying to sing the song one day, right where it goes, driving me insane, I see my mum's boot come blasting through the door and she's yelling, shut the hell up. I told her, mum, I'm going to be a singer one day, and she said, well you ain't now, so shut the hell up. Sebastian Bach talks about the first band that he... Uh, joined which was called Madam X and he says I have mixed feelings about it now we talked about Chris's life which wasn't too great back then they had been signed with Jet Records and were dropped right before I joined so he basically took it out on me if I hit a flat note on stage Chris Dolliver would come up and grab me by the back of the hair and spit right into my face in front of the whole crowd every flat note I hit people might say it's a trial by fire and cruelty and certainly at the time I felt like quitting the music business but looking back I don't fucking sing flat now, personally, I wasn't ever the biggest Skid Row fan, but I always really liked Sebastian Bach. Um, I always found him quite funny. Um, his, his energy is really infectious. I mean, obviously, he wore that terrible T-shirt, but at least he owned it, and at least he admitted that he was wrong. A lot of people can take a lesson from that, because sometimes people don't own when they've made mistakes, uh, and they just try and sweep it under the carpet. 
he talks about heavy metal here and he says uh, heavy metal isn't just about music it's about being a good person man i always believe that i've always felt the camaraderie walking into a room and knowing you all like the same music even if you don't know the person next to you that to me is what personifies what heavy metal is it's about being good people it's such a good time to hang out with a bunch of friends listen to tunes and have some beers I'm into the music so much that it can be a hindrance to my everyday life. I'm spoilt by rock and roll. Basically, we're heavy metal, aren't we? We made a record, it's so heavy it couldn't get off the turntable. Records now, and the main record review this week is for the Mark Lanigan album, Whiskey for the Holy Ghost. And this album gets 4Ks. The reviewer, Gordon Goldstein, begins... Screaming Trees man Mark Lanigan shambles into his own record, bottle in hand, winter wind howling behind him. He walks through the doorway brushing himself off and sits himself at the bar. When he starts to sing, he sounds like a force of nature. Baritone low, craggy ringing with the weight of the world. At half the volume and twice the melancholy, Whiskey for the Holy Ghost rings with as much power as the trees for all their gusto and bluster. An amped up Marshall driven rock album, it's anything but. With occasional help from his drinking mates, Dinosaur Jr.'s Jay Maskis and Mike Johnson, Tad Doyle and Mud Honey's Dan Peters, Lanigan's follow-up to his first solo outing, The Winding Sheep, is a quietly beautiful piece of work. Sad and damned, echoing Leonard Cohen, George Jones, Jim Morrison and Graham Parson, it's a vast emotive sweep of alienation, disaffection and drunkenness. Felt much older than I really was, he sighs on El Sol. His voice speaks volumes and years. Like Neil Young, Lanigan's one of the great voices of rural America, setting moods with his voice alone, whether it's cracking with a quiet rage on Barrasho, set against the country twang of House of Home, House of Home, excuse me, or croaking like a bullfrog beneath the grey clouds of kingdoms of rain. Music and emotions like those only come out of tiny backroom towns like Lanigan's own Ellensburg, Washington. Whiskey for the Holy Ghost shouldn't be taken merely as sustenance to tide you over to the next Screaming Trees record. It's a sombre, sobering pint of someone else's soul that you can't help but uh, get slowly drunk on. The next record review is by a band called Poltergeist. The album is called Nothing Lasts Forever on Haunted House Records and this gets 1k. 1k is not good. Hell's Teeth. I'd forgotten that people actually made records like this. It really is awesomely bad. Poltergeist, as you'd know the moment you saw their picture, are a Euro thrash metal band. I think they're Swiss, but that makes no odds really. There are British bands this dire, it's just that they don't have the dodgy accent to complement the trite lyrics. You know what Poltergeist sound like before they've even played a note, and you'd know what they look like if you'd only heard them. Of course, you could argue that Poltergeist have some talent, sure. The vocalist has more range than the John Wayne movie. The guitarist can outwit all the fastest whittler in town and the drummer can hit his kit very hard and very fast, but they sound abysmal. Because they've got no soul, no groove, no chemistry, nothing beneath the surface. Give me a frontman who can't sing, and a guitarist who can't string his own guitar over this mob, and I bet you've got more chance of hearing a classic tune. Thank God nothing lasts forever. Review by Morat. Crank here, um debuts well debuts for this podcast anyway a new section called demo seed which is reviewing demos by bands that have been sent into grain which is kind of awesome um i'm not going to read each review i'm just going to give you a rundown of the names and how many k's they got so grandma grandma dynamite got four k's agent orange five k's exile three k's panic in detroit two k's satan's toilet four k's 
Jetai 4Ks, Terra Groove 4Ks, China Beach 3Ks. If anyone desperately, desperately needs to read one of these reviews, you can always send us an email and I can send you a picture of it. A very scaled down metal chart now, and guess what? Meatloaf is still number one, Battle of Hell 2 on the album charts. Yawn. And Def Leppard Action is still number one on the singles chart, and Chaos AD Sepultura is still number one in the indie metal charts. The readers chart this week, Kerrang says, well, what a load of ballads. Gaza from Grimsby has, it seems, come over all romantic and provided us this week with his top 10 fave ballads of all time. They're all quite brutal bands, quoth he, especially Warrior Soul, who should get a record deal pretty soon. Too right, Gaza. Now, how's about getting yourself in front of a karaoke machine for a rendition of a few of these, then sending us the tapes? So, Gaza's top 10 is The Golden Shore by Warrior Soul, number one. Number two, I Remember You, Skid Row. Number three, Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. Number four, I Don't Know What You Got by Cinderella. Number five, Touch Too Much, ACDC. Number six, I Don't Love You Anymore by The Choir Boys. Number seven, Fly to the Angels by Slaughter. Number eight, If I Were a Carpenter by Robert Plant. Number nine, Just Take My Heart, Mr. Big. And number 10, The Idol by Wasp. We now come to a part of the magazine where uh, David Lee Roth is interviewed. Um... There's a couple of bits to this. There's a whole interview with him. Um, and there's also a bit where they talk about Dave the Rave, 10 classic moments in the life of Diamond Dave. And I can summarise the interview for you. He's here. He's trying to talk about his new album, which is called Your Filthy Little Mouth, which is preceded by a single called She's My Machine. He talks about meeting Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen on the streets and not seeing him for eight years. He talks about getting arrested with a bit of weed in his pocket in Washington Square Park. And that's about it, really. Not, not, not that interesting. I mean, the best thing is that he called his album Your Filthy Little Mouth. But those top 10 classic moments in the life of Diamond Dave, uh, if anyone ever gets a chance, read Dave Lee Roth's autobiography. It's called Crazy From The Heat, and it is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant read anyway i'll begin number one on one of their earliest uk tours van halen supported black sabbath at the lewisham odium the show became legendary after david lee roth told the crowd lewisham you're the rock and roll capital of the world in those days dave would spray champagne over audiences his generosity often extended to throwing the bottles into the crowd but sadly in lewisham this bon homie left a member of the audience suffering from serious head wounds Number two, at a late 70s US rock festival, Van Halen upstaged every act on the bill with one of the most ludicrous stunts in rock history. Van Halen hired a parachute team to drop in on the event, sailing over the crowd before landing backstage. Moments later, Van Halen took to the stage in identical jumpsuits. Needless to say, the crowd went wild. In 1983, Diamond Dave disappeared into the Amazon rainforest for six and a half weeks. Dave recalls, we were airlifted in by helicopter and took paramedics and snakebite kits. It's a white fang of the north, Tarzan swinging through the trees fantasy. Number four, Dave has a real frontier spirit. When he's not macheteing his way through tropical vegetation, he can be found paddling an outrigger canoe from one Pacific island to the next, or he'll be scaling a mountain with his bare hands. Yes, those pictures on the Skyscraper album are for real. Number five, on Van Halen's 1984 tour, Dave employed a bizarre security team of midget bodyguards. Number six, one of the last stops on the 1984 tour was at the Donington Monsters of Rock Festival. 
Dave's on-stage raps were legendary. He told one girl in the crowd, Honey, don't poke, poke your tongue out on me unless you're going to use it. He later threatened one of Dunnington's missile throwers. I know who threw that, and after the show, I'm going to fuck your girlfriend. Number seven. Upon splitting from Van Halen in 85, Dave said of Eddie Van Halen, Edward is not happy unless he's unhappy. He survived the pain of 50 million record sales. He's lived through four Maseratis. Number eight. Dave also angered Edward when he was asked to comment on the solo Eddie uh, contributed to the Michael Jackson song Beat It. Joke Dave, he just played the same solo he's played for the last 10 years. And number nine. Dave launched some of the greatest rock videos of the time under the banner of Dave TV. Dave and co-star producer Pete Angelus made videos under the guise of the Picasso Brothers. The name combined flavours of fine art and pizza delivery. And number 10, Dave's flair for video originated in Van Halen. The singer takes most of the credit for the award-winning video for Jump. The video was almost as psychedelic as an old Technicolor movie. During the editing, Dave kept insisting that the colours weren't bright enough, so all the colour color levels were turned up to the max. Later, Dave realised that he'd been wearing his anti-glare ski goggles during the editing. David Lee Roth there, the epitome of rock and roll. So a small caveat here, there is an advert under the Metal Gig Guide, um, which is an absolute sign of the times for the 90s. And I kind of can't believe that you were allowed to sell this stuff. Anyway, the, the advert is about, um, it's, it's VHS videos of and pamphlets of, of how to do things. So some of the things that you're, you can do, which are all illegal, obviously, is to, um, satellite TV secrets, how to create two-way mirrors, um, how to basically like dodge TV license, road tax, etc., etc. The main one is called Empty the Fruit Machines, and it says, yours absolutely free with every order. This amazing new video, Empty the Fruit Machines. In order to make this video for our customers, we hired an entire amusement arcade and the services of free expert bandit beaters and set them loose on the machines. We filmed every trick they knew, and in just under one hour, our bandit beaters emptied 500 quid from the machines while the owner looked on in astonishment. There's also two titles that are banned. The Anti-Dial Diary, confidential, and DIY Skeleton Keys. And to get around this, they say, also free, these two great uh, titles are now banned from sale as we're not allowed to sell them anymore. But to get around the ban, we're giving them away free with every order. And you can uh, send this to CTX Books, 302 Regent Street, London, WR1 5AL. And all they ask for is £19.95. And you can get all of this. Very, very odd. Kerrang Classifieds now. And under for sale, we have Fed Up With A Shit Sound, then Star Trek Studio. 24-track digital, 24-track analog. More bollocks than a steaming hot turd. Based in central Manchester. Telephone 061-273-5480. Under the Musicians Wanted um, title, we have a few adverts, all seeking musicians, bassists, drummers, and every band apparently is just about to be signed and they've got a huge tour coming up and there's label interest. But this one piqued my interest. Four complete amateurs require singer for covers band. Enthusiasm preferred to experience. No fresh. East London. Ring mark 081-539-6027. Under special notices, we have the same advert as last week. I'm going to bring you all something wonderful. Neil Jones. And under personal adverts, we have Purr. Two pedigree long-haired sex kittens need more attention from sleazy Persian toms. Box number K6041. 
Dr. Rock 25 seeks intelligent female lab assistant for pubs, clubs, gigs and general fun. Manchester and Northwest, box number K6045. Sonia from Newcastle. Remember Martin from Edinburgh. We met on Christmas Eve in the Burnt Post. Please get in touch. Box number K6050. And that concludes this week's um, episode of Kerrang Back Issues. Uh, coming next week on the um, back of the Kerrang, it says, Where else will you find Aerosmith, Poison, Sepultura, The Wild Hearts, Therapy, Ugly Kid Joe, Brian Adams, Soundgarden, Skid Row and more? Question mark. They're all in next week's Kerrang on sale February the 2nd. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the pod. Uh, as always, please do um, share with friends if you think they might be interested. Follow us on Twitter at KerrangPod. Send us an email at KerrangBackIssues at gmail.com. And as always, this podcast will be out every Wednesday. Uh, and I've been your host, Stephen. Uh, so see you next week. Okay. Cheers. Bye.